Welcome to the Vertifor Insurance Podcast with Rick Fox. We're here to talk about the industry with some of its biggest influencers. From technology, trends, and current events, if it's happening in insurance, you'll hear about it here. Make sure to tune in every week and join in on the conversation with us on social media at Vertifor. And now, here's Rick Fox. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Vertifor Insurance Podcast, the VIP. I'm the host, Rick Fox, and today I'm excited to have a really good conversation with Gilad Shai. He is the founder of Bound API. He's on the advisory board at Drop-In. He's a co-author of the InsureTech book. He's a founder of InsureTech LA speaks to me as a, as a Southern Californian that, that uh, I finally get to interview somebody who's, who's at least geographically close to me. He's up in LA. I'm down in San Diego. Gilad, welcome, welcome to the program. So glad to have you. Thank you, Rick. Very happy to be here. Well, and, and I think we're going to get into a lot of topics, but I think the best way to start the way I usually start is I, I always love to hear the journey of, of how you ended up here, how you ended up like all the way to the things that you've done and, and how insurance became such a kind of an important part of what, what you do. So uh, please tell us your story. Yeah, of course. Uh, but before that, I must tell you, we have, we have a growing presence here in SoCal in terms of insurance. So now founders, now institutionals, now very big uh, players here. And I would, you know, border it between San Diego all the way up to Santa Barbara. But Good. yeah, sure. Uh, so going back to my background, uh, I st- I'm, I would say, new to the insurance space. I've been here for five, almost six years, which more or less the same time that I've been in Los Angeles and the West Coast. Uh, originally, as you can hear from my accent and name, I'm from Israel. I've been living in the U.S. for 10, 11 years. I moved here in 2009 and New York. Before that, I've been in technology for many years um, with Intel, studied electrical engineering, MBA, all the beautiful stuff, been in startups and big companies such as as, uh, Yahoo, Hearst Publishing. And in 2015, when I moved to Los Angeles, I joined Farmers Insurance. And that was my entry to the insurance world. Okay. Going part of, I was there a technology leader. There were all kinds of, um, I would, ca- I will call it a, a bait and switch there. But um, <laughs> it was a great journey. Learned a lot of it. And once you get into an insurance company, and you finally try think <laughs> you don't, you only think that you understand what's going on. You see that there are so many different opportunities. Yes. If it's from, yeah, yeah. So. Well, I was going to say, and, and you know, we've had so many people on the show, myself and as another one of these veterans of the insurance space, I love it when we get people that are either new or, or you know, been around for a little while that came in with a completely different perspective. And your point is spot on. It's this, it's this wide open world, right? It's almost the wild west at, at to some ways to look at it uh, in insurance because, especially for someone with your background in technology to come in and see some of the, the opportunity because of some of the laggard thinking and laggard technology that, that most of our, you know, most of our industry has used for so many years. It's got to be really kind of almost mind boggling and then, then probably very exciting for you to kind of jump in. Most definitely. And joining 
you know, the insurance space, especially uh, 2015, that was just, or 16, that was just when the insurtech, I would say, revolution started. That was when Lemonade was the first pebble right. that was thrown into the lake and created all these waves. Because until then, and I remember there was an executive in, doesn't matter which global company it was, that said, there is no reason to hurry. The customer doesn't know that we are going to release a new product or release a new feature if we're talking about a, an application and not an insurance product. I was looking <laughs> at him, and I was uh, thinking every time, because when you're coming from the technology side, it's all about let's push, let's push, let's push, because if I'm not going to be the first or better, my competitor is going to have a different feature that will kill the market, will take, make me obsolete. And in yes. the insurance space, it was like, I was, I was looking, and the guy was executive uh, VP at certain company, and I was looking at him, and it's like, okay, so there is no competition <laughs> here. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. The uh, opportunity is massive, right? I mean, when you have thinking like that, you have this, this wide open, like, I'm going to jump in here with both, you know, both feet and take control, like, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of the, like, for people like you, people like me that think about it in a way like, I want that, that guy to think that way because it gives me the upper hands day one, right? Most definitely. Now, luckily for the industry, that mindset already started shifting. We see yes. many big companies are, you know, from saying, okay, we don't know how to do that. We're going to make an acquisition. We're going to invest in other, we're going to do tech tourism. You know, we'll start to play around with all kinds of innovation, in-house innovation, innovation lab, innovation scouting. Part of it is just to show, hey, we've done something, although they haven't done shit besides spending money. Part right. of them actually have done amazing stuff. Yes. From understanding that innovation is maybe do the same thing, but better process to completely rethinking the way they work. And as, a, you know, as time progresses, we see that matures. And uh, I don't remember, I think it was Rob Galbraith uh, or someone else. We talked about the different waves of the different waves of insurance and how you slice that and how it uh, percolates up from bottom and thanks to the reinsurance, also right. rained down by them as well. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so uh, my journey got in, uh, to Farmers Insurance, saw the different opportunities. A, a year or two later, I started, I said, okay, if we want to do things internally or externally, we need to create a certain mass of people and gravity. Started in Shotech uh, Los Angeles to create that oomph that we are familiar with other uh, other areas, and I had an amazing opportunity also to contribute to the InsurTech book. And from there, um, year year and a half ago, uh, I left, after three and a half years at Farmers Insurance, I decided that I, after realizing what what are the different opportunities, I I left Farmers and uh, started the Bound API. Yeah. Well, and, and that's, and I want to get to Bound API later, but I want to stay high level for a minute with you and kind of get, I mean, that was, that was a good sort of intro to your perspective on InsureTech and, and where we're at. I'd like you to dig a little deeper for us and give us, you know, what you've seen, what's out there that like, where you see the InsureTech movement 
where we are, where we're headed, and you know, and also any way to talk about like what's going on with acquisitions as well. Like in the marketplace, there's you mentioned that some people are buying it instead of building it, and and so just talk to me more, go deeper into a layer deeper into insure tech, insure techs, and and potentially any acquisitions that are either have happened or are happening, or why that's so important in the place. Yeah, sure. So. We started by the, the different aggregators, right? People that came from technology background or other entrepreneurs stepped in, said, oh my God, there was FinTech, now there is InsurTech. Yes. There must be a bonanza, let's go in. Most of those folks don't have an insurance background and are diving in hoping that whatever they've done in other ventures will stick. And especially in the beginning, we saw we, I would say with the exception of a Lemonade Hippo and the more uh, very structured carriers, MGAs that we've seen, there were entrepreneurs that say, okay, we're going to do aggregation. And that, I would say, that was the first wave for almost five years ago. We saw that wave of aggregators and whatever people try to do, copy-paste from FinTech with all kinds of robo-advisors. Mm-hmm. Then we started to have the second wave of all the cute agencies. It's like, okay, we actually learned something. We're going to get our agency license. We're just going to do whatever everyone is doing today, but a little bit better. Um, and that more or less started to create that uh, structure of insurance companies betting on those new uh, agencies, the digital agencies, to be their distribution channel. So they will just be, oh, we are cool. Uh, I, I, will just, I will avoid naming names, because, but we, which usually we want to hear the names. Uh, but all these lovely agencies, part of them were super successful. Part of them are still question mark. As, as you know, in insurance, it's going to take us a while to understand the value and the quality of the policies that they're actually writing. At the beginning, the KPIs, it's all about, hey, how many policies you've written in the past year? Right, And later on, it's going to be, uh, is that claims-wise? How are you contributing? It's great about the book, but how are you contributing to my combined ratio? Now, so part of them started to fail. Part of them grew. There is always a beautiful statistics on that part. And we've seen that other insurance companies eyed that and said, okay, that's, we're going to bet that that's going to be a distribution channel. And that started to have a little bit of more and more competition. I would say the third wave was uh, beside automation, mainly AI. I would say in the past year or two, the only thing that we hear is about is AI. How can we improve the underwriting? How can we do a geo, uh, geospatial uh, analytics? It's n- the AI part, it's more on the computer vision, but mm-hmm. we saw IoT as a big... Uh, so. I would say the IoT, AI, uh, all those things that started to say, oh, we can be actually preventive. The concept of being preventive was also maybe two, three years ago, especially with the liquid detector. So it's, it's pretty exciting. I've yet to see a policy, an insurance policy, that has that IoT part of, part of it. 
Well, and, and let, let me jump in here for a second, Gilad, because I, I feel like the, the I mean, like this sort of the overarching sentiment of InsureTech is you're talking about, you know, FinTech was a, the, the, the thing. And then everyone said, wait a second, here's this cool, shiny new toy over here, this InsureTech thing. And then all of the people in the industry sort of kind of looked at that as, and they called it the InsureTech disruption that was happening. And what I, I always say, and I'm, I think that's where I'm at now, and I just love to get your take on this, is I don't, I don't think the word disruption is, is necessarily proper. And I think for a long time, it almost had a negative connotation to it. I like the InsureTech movement. And it's, to me, what it is, it's, it, it's constantly moving things forward. It's all the way back to what you said about that executive who wasn't forward thinking. But now companies, InsureTech companies, insurance companies, insurance agencies are starting to move in the direction of knowing that, that tech is going to be the, that their future, that they, they've got to connect with it. You've got to be open to uh, not only embracing that technology, but, but having the kind of platform in your makeup that works with other technologies. And so I, I, I call it an, an, I think we're at the phase now of the insure tech boom, uh, where it, like it used to be called disruption, where I feel like now movement is the word that comes to my mind. Do you agree with that or do you have a different take on that? I agree with you. I don't like to use the word disruption. Um, I like em- empowerment, enablement. Yeah. At the end of the day, and that's a little, not really a segue, but uh, what we are doing with Bound, it's all about empowering agents, creating new distribution channels. So I like to say, hey, we are giving in shoot the cloud to the agents, those that traditional uh, distribution channel that was neglected for so many decades. Give, give yeah. them a little bit tools and technologies so they can go and do their job better. Right. And, and, what about, and what about acquisitions? Talk to me about like, what, what are you seeing as like the, you mentioned that people are either buying it or building it. Are they buying it? Like what, what's going on out in the marketplace right now with acquisitions? So acquisition, it's a very sexy word uh, that, you know, for startups, we always talk about it. Oh my God, I'm going to do the exit, right? Uh, acquisition or like any other merger and acquisition it's a business tool now that business that that functionality it's a question of are you going to merge with another insurance so insurance company and then basically eh, conquer that or increase your footprint in a certain market or a certain segment is that your way to open a new ocean or you know it really depends on on what's the the premise there and mm-hmm. part of them just to take down a competition or we talked about disruption. There was a certain uh, technology company that was acquired and immediately shut down because <laughs> actually I'm saying it's so generic. There are so many examples for that. But basically that operation disrupted the operation of a very big company and they said, okay, we'll just buy them out and uh, keep. Yeah. And it's a, you know, it's a, uh, modus operandi it's very common uh, but not but in addition we see that the acquisition I would say more for the positive not just to kill so 
Uh, we uh, recently we saw that Aeon bought this acquired cover wallet, which is Inaki is an amazing CEO. We, I think this is his third exit. I met him back in New York for his wow. first startup. A, I think it was Pixable, um, well, which is remarkable because they managed to automate and create that digital broker or at least part of that. Aeon saw, in, from my understanding or my assumptions, Aeon recognized that they are going to hit that SME. Mm -hmm. That's the layer that they are going after. Here is a great uh, operation that can help them penetrate that market. Well, and I look at the I look at the overarching kind of you know like my company Vertifor is we we are we are known for acquisition. But what I love about our strategy behind that is we are we are taking a look at every avenue of what an agency or a carrier might need what what the what the necessities are moving forward with technology and we're making a, a the, the tactical decision of whether or not we're going to buy that we're going to build that or if we're going to partner with that and i think the companies that are in acquisition mode and that are looking for that kind of a strategy are the ones that are doing right by the industry I think there's a lot of acquisitions going on that, that there to your point where they're looking to kill the competition. Uh, I, I, I don't totally have a position on this, but I feel like that's went down with, with Tech Canary. They were acquired as a elimination of competition. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. That's just my opinion. But, but those kinds of acquisitions are, um, to me, they're, they're, reactive instead of the proactive approach, which is what I think Aon did. I think they said, look, we need something that the cover wallet, that, that's, a, that's an avenue that we want to pursue. And that's our best, best way to get to best of breed is to make an acquisition. I really, mm -hmm. I thought that was a great acquisition for them. Listen, um, there are several other examples. Now you have, uh, for example, iPipeline, they're on a shopping spree. Mm -hmm. After their, uh, their acquisition by the private equity, I think it was for 1.6 billion or one, yeah, 1.62 or something like that. They are on a shopping spree and they are trying to catch up because I don't know if you yes. saw what how their services look like. It's 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 a little bit updated, out of date. Now, as a startup, when I talk to my investors, and part of my strategy is to make to make sure that I'm attractive. A, to a, to Vertafor, to other companies, because we are playing in the same, well, not the same, but we are playing more or less in the same uh, playground. Mm -hmm. And when we think about it, we are, or we need to think, okay, how are we going to grow the business so it will be successful by itself and to grow it to a gorilla? Or how are we going to be attractive to the gorillas so they will acquire us and not stamp us down? Yes, so exactly. It's, it's, very, a, it's a dance, right? It's, it it's a dance. It's a very yeah. interesting need to be attractive and defensive at the same time yeah. while making sure that uh, our customers are happy, our potential partners are happy, our investors are happy. But that's the day-to-day, -day, I would say, the tango of uh, building a startup. 
Gilad, you've got a you got a cool accent. I, I think I like listening to you talk. But we, we had a conversation, uh, you know, leading up to this podcast, and we got into sort of a side note. I just want to get off on it a little here because it's it's more fun, and and we're it, we we like to have fun on the show. But <laughs> but but I say couch potato. And I think you say potato couch. Is that right? Is that I mean, isn't that one of the things that we found that we don't say necessarily exactly the right way? I, <laughs> I was sure that you're going to bring that up. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, what? Yeah, I, I I mix idioms. It's sometimes I am, and it's so it's hilarious. But yeah, it's um, from time to time. I, I will use catch potato potato. I don't know why it doesn't make sense to me. And I don't remember because as people try, no, why do you see the pouch as a, a, a potato or a potato, potato sitting on a couch? It's like, it doesn't make sense from a grammatic structure, but sure. Uh, you knew I was going to bring it up. You of knew course. I had to yeah, bring yeah, it up. Yeah. All right, all right. Let's let's okay. get, let, let me let me get us back on track here. Um, you mentioned earlier the the distribution channel, and I kind of want to talk. I like, kind of want to get your perspective from where you're at and what you're working on, and not not just your company, but what you're seeing in the marketplace on you know, like the the client of that distribution channel. Like, talk to me about the model, and and where you sort of see the the nuance of in new players and and where people should be headed it really depends on what is the product right when we think about direct distribution channel right back in the day when we dealt with direct sales that was the hartford in 18 i don't know 82 i'm just throwing mm -hmm. a number it was yeah. somewhere yeah. in the 19th century <clears throat> and they used to sell a form, email, not email, sorry, mail. They used to mail the form, and I don't know, two weeks, four weeks later, they will get it back, and now they have a policy. That was direct mail or direct sell to the customer from the insurance company to somewhere, a farm somewhere in the Upper East Coast. That, that was the distribution channel. Over time, we involved, we have agencies where there were changes. It used to be in the banks. It was uh, moved from the banks. It moved to the insurance companies. They have internal agency. They don't have an internal agency. But it really depends on the product itself. And today, you have all kinds of structures. And But at the end of the day, they reach a point. Are you talking direct? Are you doing it over the phone? Are you going to do that through a digital medium? Are you part of uh, the customer journey or you're taking the customer to your customer journey? And it really depends on what you're trying to sell and how you're working uh, because the sell is not simple. Sometimes mm -hmm. you just want it, okay, I need to have the cover from X, I don't know, from T2, T1 to T2 and that's mm -hmm. the only thing that I need. Yeah. But, some, but other instances, you need a full coverage, something tailored for your needs, a professional, a broker, an agent that can actually provide the right advice. So different products need to have different distribution channels and different models that go with that. I don't think that the agents are going anywhere. I'm pro-agent. Um, their, their structure of the agencies and the brokers are going to change. Mm -hmm. They are not, there will be 
less, but they will be more professional. I look at what happened in the fintech. It's the same thing. We had the, the robo-advisors that gave mm -hmm. you, hey, if you save, that's better monitoring. There was a lot of uh, do-it-yourself uh, solutions, which made the financial advisors experts that started to deal with higher, more expensive clients or, high, uh, I would say, more complex uh, investments. And the same thing that we're going to see in the insurance space. It's going to have that, oh, you need car insurance, no problem. We, we have all that covered. Home insurance, that's fine. But once you have a business or two cars and, a door, and you want something that will tie it maybe to your tax return and your financial planning, then you need that insurance agent and financial advisor combination that will provide you with the right solution for your need. Because people don't think about it. Because what, what is insurance? At the end of the day, it's a promise to make you right. But when we look on it as a financial, it can be a bond or a hedging a, a structure that will hedge the value, sorry, a financial structure that will hedge the value of your property and your life in a whole. So there are many different things here that we can adopt and, and we need the expert on that part, while the agency itself can have, uh, you know, more people who are responsible for the marketing and the lead generation and bringing in the business. And then you'll have the expert that will digest that intake of prospect customers. Yeah. Well, that's the beauty of, I think, where we're at, and I mentioned this at the beginning, is I think we're at such a great place because... We are, like, I, I count myself as the, from the insurance side, but now I've sort of, you know, jumped to the, the tech side. But, but you know, in my heart and soul, I'm, I'm from the insurance side, having run an agency, having owned an agency, having acquired other agencies, and now being on the insure tech front for so long. But to your point, I think that, that you know, that we've been hearing, oh, the independent agent channel is dying. And no, it's not. It's just changing. It's evolving. Exactly. And it's turning into something that is going to be bigger, brighter, faster, better with those that decide to get on the train, right? Those that decide they want to play along with people like you who are coming from outside the industry with tech experience, with with a different like view on everything that that takes out some of the blind spots that us insurance people have and when you blend really smart tech people and really smart experienced insurance people that's where the magic is for me that's where you see this this growth and this like like i said the insure tech movement because i see it as moving down this road and that and gaining momentum as we're moving. And is that, is that kind of, is, is that, does that make sense to you? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. All right. So let, let me ask you one last question before I get to my last question, but a question for you. Bound API, very interesting. Checked out your website uh, after we had our original conversation a few months ago, but, but give me the 60 second version of, of, of why, why people should be connecting with you, connecting with Bound API, and what, what, kind, of, what kind of changes that, that enables people to make in the way they look at things and the way they, they do business. So Bound API, we are building digital distribution channels for, the ins for insurance product, and we are using our embedded insurance technology to make that happen. And the main value proposition that we do, it's you can 
offer insurance on every website and connect that to make everything you know automated and magic happen. But the people who, who benefit from that are the agents because those widget or embedded uh, applications of insurance offers can actually, or what they, what they do, turn the agent to a direct seller. And we mm -hmm. are fo focusing only on the simple products. So something that you can easily underwrite, quote, and bind on, the, on any website. So an agent, the, the way that it works today, especially for agents, every agency has an internal threshold that once a customer reaches their a website, they will have a contact us form. And as you know, any normal person shops for insurance, not during the, the, the working hours, they will do it after the right. kids went to sleep or during the weekend. They will fill the contact us form and the following day, the agent will go see, oh, we have someone in the AMS or the CRM or whatever they are collecting their, uh, their internal leads. And we'll say, oh, that's the only thing that they're looking for. I'm not going to bother even calling them back. Why? Because the commission doesn't worth it. And what we are offering them is the automation and the ability to sell that direct from their website. And it's based on their appointments and relationship with the different insurance companies. Yeah, and what I love about this, Gilad, is that there is such a, like a, it's eye-opening, right? Because I guarantee you, if you had this conversation with 10 old school insurance agents, right off the bat, five would be like, wait a minute, you're taking away my business. On the contrary. And, and yeah, it's it on the contrary, it. exactly. But, but that's why I love it is because that's what we're trying to do, even like I'm trying to do to this, for this industry with this podcast when I'm out you know, talking on stage, when I'm meeting with people is open your mind and, and look at the possibilities and maybe make, make more sales, make more money, by not working nearly as hard, which is kind of what I think. So, uh, Gilad, I'm so glad we got to do this. Um, I, I want to just sort of, I would guess that, that LinkedIn is the best way to find you. Is that, is that the best way to connect with you? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn, Gilad Shai. Uh, very simple. And yeah, join my network. And, and if you're in Southern California and you're interested in InsureTech LA, reach out to Gilad. Uh, the book, the InsureTech book, obviously www.boundapi.com for his uh, other venture with, with, with Bound API. Uh, it, you know what I love about Gilad is he, you can tell that he gets what we're trying to do in this industry and he's bringing an outside perspective. But if you, if you listen to or if you read his tagline under his name on LinkedIn. It says, founder at Bound API, speaker, advisor, and this is my favorite, InsureTech value provider. And that's what this conversation has been. I'm going to finish the way I always finish with one last question. So we're going to record this next little bit. We're going to put it in a time capsule. We're going to bury it. Someone's going to dig it up a year from now or whenever they, they dig it up. What is Gilad Shai's one big piece of advice for the insurance industry? My piece of advice to the insurance, uh, insurance industry is understand the insurance business and remember that at the end of the day, it's selling 
insurance and the right insurance to your customers. It's all about the customers. The policyholders, they will dictate, they have expectations, and it's not the expectations that the insurance companies have, it's how they live their life. Bam, mic drop right there. That was awesome. Gilad, thank you so much for being on with us. I hope we get to do it again sometime. Um, no, just, just really appreciate you, man. Thanks so much. Yeah, my pleasure, man. So everybody, everybody out there that's listening in, go find Gilad Shai, spelled S-H-A-I on LinkedIn. Connect with him. He's got great information. He shares great stuff uh, and knows what he's talking about when it comes to InsureTech. Follow me, Rick Fox, and I will make sure you know about all our new episodes of the podcast, other great guests that are coming up. And don't forget to subscribe, Apple, Google, Spotify. Go find us, listen, tell your friends, share it on LinkedIn. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Vertifor Insurance Podcast. And tune in next Thursday for a brand new episode. You can find more episodes at vertifor.com under the resources tab or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you subscribe. And if you enjoyed this episode, share it on social and spread the word. Don't forget to join in on the conversation and recommend future guests by messaging us at Vertifor.